Blaze Radio Network, on demand. In the next 19 seconds, you could sell your home. Okay, it's, I mean, it's not going to sell your home, I mean, this, but it, you're going to take a big step toward getting it sold. Go to realestateagentsitrust.com and find an agent selected by my team, a professional who shares your values and speaks the truth. Sell your home fast and for the most money. Get moving at realestateagentsitrust.com. This Irish man stands with America. This is Freedom's Disciple with Jonathan Dunn on the Blaze Radio Network. Hello, America. Thank you so much for tuning in today. This is the Freedom's Disciple podcast. I am your host, Jonathan Dunn. I hope you're having a nice, relaxing, sunny Saturday afternoon or whatever day you're listening to this. We have a jam-packed show for you today. I want to talk to you about Dallas and the tragic, horrific events that happened just last week and how this is a potential game-changer. But before we get to that, I want to share some personal stuff with you Um, and just let you know what's going on here. And I do this for a reason. It's not to... It's, there's a reason why I'm going to share what I'm about to share with you. If you've listened to this show for, well, actually, probably since January, um, you might have heard my voice different ways. You might have sensed different things, um, the way I've talked. Um, I haven't been, how should we say, 100% healthy. I've had some health problems. Um, and I, I'm a very private person, so I haven't told a lot of people. Um, but I've had, um, I've been, the biggest thing is that everyone would hear is I've been sick an awful lot. I've had colds, I've had flus. Um, my voice gets crackly, kind of like it is now. And they're the signs that are obvious. Um, the signs that weren't obvious was, I was very tired. Um, I wasn't getting enough sleep. I was waking up in the middle of the night um, and reading and doing stuff and not really paying attention and just feeling weak and feeling weak during the day. And I also have I'm an asthmatic and I suffer um, with sinuses and a lot of a few other things. And and there's this injection I get. And you get it, depends on the year, but you get it roughly every three months. Um, in the winter, it's less because the conditions are better. Um, but it helps you get over your sinuses. It helps with your asthma. It helps with your breathing. And I've basically got this injection. I think since I was like four or five, I was very young. So it's just part of my life. You go to the doctor and you get an injection. And it takes a day and you're drowsy and lethargic that day and then you kind of feel better the next day and you're good to go. Well, a combination of events happened earlier this year where um, my doctor retired. So I had to find a new doctor. And uh, the doctor that replaced my GP wouldn't give me this injection. And wouldn't give me the medication that goes with it for many different reasons, so I had to move doctors and 
long story short, I went to a doctor and he said, look, um, we need to get you off this. Um, this is more of a short-term fix. This isn't a, you get it from, you know, for ter nearly 30 years now. Um, it's not good. It has a lot of bad side effects. And one of the side effects is, while it helps in certain aspects, it hurts your immune system. You become very susceptible to colds and flus and stuff. So, because I'd done this route 10 years ago, or maybe a bit more, where I went for testing, and I don't like hospitals. Um, I don't like complaining. Um, I'm not the type of person going, I'm always not, when I wasn't sleeping, I wasn't telling anybody. Um, but I went through this stage 10 years ago where my doctor said, you need to get off this and we need to find ways. And I went in and they took bloods and they, they touched your skin with different things. And it just wasn't, they were, the nurses were perfectly fine, but it's just not something I want to do. So I was kind of, oh Lord, here we go again. Um, I gotta ha I'm going to go through all the tests. I'll go through all the hassle. I'll see a load of different doctors. I'll tell the same story over and over to each and different doctor. And the end result will be me paying money that I don't have. And basically saying, look, yeah, it's just the way it is. You've got to take this injection. Come back in a few years, things might have changed. So anyway, I wasn't too confident. My world was like, oh, here we go again. More hassle. All the time I'm suffering. And... You kind of think you're in this cycle. Believe me, there's a reason I'm sharing this story. I'm not just getting on here to have a moan. There is a happy ending to it. But if you can imagine your mind, my mindset, where it's like, this is just hopeless. And like the only thing I wanted was, I just want the injection. Just give me the injection so a lot of my asthmatic and my sinus problems go away and I can deal with the other stuff. Just just give it to me. Just just give it to me. I don't care. I don't want the hassle. Just give me the easy fix. Just give me the easy I'll, I know it will give me problems when I'm forty and fifty and sixty. I know I'll deal with them when I'm forty, fifty and sixty. Right now is all I care about. Just just make it easy for me. Anyway, my doctor said no. I'm I appreciate you went through it 10 years ago, but medicine's evolved, technology's evolved. Let's just try it. So I, I was a bit of a skeptic. I wasn't, let's say I wasn't very confident. So I went through the process that you do over here. You get a, your doctor writes you a letter and you go to a hospital. And it's like you go for these tests. And I went for a few tests. And then I went to the consultant, and the consultant looked at me. Oh, sorry, the other option was, um, you might need surgery. And I was like, huh. So then I got told, yeah, there's this surgery that we might be able to do to help you, but you have to get it every two to three years. Now, I said this before, I'm going to say it again. I don't like hospitals. Um, I'm one of those people that will suffer through pain and through discomfort to avoid going to the doctor and definitely to go avoid going to a hospital. It's nothing personal, just don't like them. Um, so I was like, this is going to be good. So anyway, met the consultant and said, nah, you don't need surgery. It's That's not the issue. Um, you do have problems with your nose. Um, apparently I have a, I 
can't remember what he said. It's crooked. Um, and basically, I, I have an issue where I don't get enough oxygen to the brain and I don't get enough oxygen to my lungs. And I won't bore you with all the medical details. But he came to me and he said, uh, we have this thing. Here's what we're going to do. There's this pill. We're going to reduce all your pills. We're just going to give you one pill. And there's this drop. And you're going to put it up your nose. And it's got antibiotics and steroids. You're going to be on this for several years. It does have side effects with your weight and all that other stuff. And I was like, I'm okay with them. Um, and then right at the end, he said, uh, he said, can I ask you a question? And I said, sure. He said, uh, I'm guessing you don't sleep good. And I went, yes, but I haven't told you that, or I haven't told anyone that really. And he said, um, you have a problem. And basically the problem is, is with your nose and with your head and with your breathing, with your lungs and your, your autoimmune problem is you don't get enough O2 to your brain. And he said a load of different words. I apologize if you're a medical professional. You can fill in the blanks if you're not. doesn't matter. But basically, I never hit REM sleep. So he gave me a few tips. And he said, this, this, this pill will help. And it's helped. I don't have to get injections. Which will do massive damage to me. I reduce my pills. I'm down to one pill a day. I'm on a different inhaler, and I'm on drops a couple of times, three times a day. Now, why am I telling you this story? Sometimes when we are in life, it's easy to get caught up in the day-to-day, -day, the short-term solutions. So many people today say, Oh, I just, I want it easy now. I, I want this instant gratification. I want, I want, I want, I want. And we ever focus on the bigger picture. We never focus on, yeah, you, you might win now, but is it going to hurt you in the long term? What damage are you creating for yourself 10, 20, 30 years down the road? Perfect example of this is the debt. It's easy just to borrow half a trillion dollars today. Hey, we've got a sixteen trillion dollar economy. It's easy. Just just make the problem make the debt problem go away. Just borrow the half a trillion, it'll be fine. But all those half a trillion dollars add up. And you have a debt crisis coming maybe this year, five years, ten years. It might be thirty years from now, but you have one coming. We need to focus on the day to day, but we also have to have a plan. For the long term. Second reason I told you that story. Was. And it's kind of, it's, it is apples and oranges I would admit. But I didn't have much hope going into that doctor. I saw going into that doctor as. I'll be blunt about it. An inconvenience to me. I was just so focused on the short term solution. But I had no hope. I had no hope that that doctor was going to cure me. I was just like, here we go again. Yep, yeah, take more blood. Yeah, do your tests. Yeah, put cameras up my nose and in my ears and all that different things. And yeah, take syringes and stuff. And yeah, put these stickers on my skin so I can get allergy tests. Yeah, do all that. 
And at the end of the day, the end result would be the same. I had no hope. But things can change. You can change people's hearts. You can change people's minds. If you do the right thing, it might not seem like it's going to do much. You might think it'll never work. Many times you see all these people on TV with plans. Oh, if you just do this, things will get better. And you're like, yeah, right. But it actually can happen. If you follow a plan, and the plan is built on fundamental principles, you might think it has no chance of succeeding, but your life could be better off for it. And the third reason I share this story is because sometimes when you act in the right way, it has consequences that you don't ever foresee or foretell. You don't know about them. When I went to that doctor, and when I went to my own local doctor, I didn't say anything about the tiredness. I just said, it's just, it's just me. I don't sleep too good. I toss and I turn. And also at my work, I, I work in unusual hours. I have to get up at 5 a.m., before 5 a.m. for one job. So I was just saying, it's just a part of life. I've just accepted it. Um, I toss and turn. I don't sleep too good. I'm tired. It's just a fact of life. Yet that doctor, through all the other conditions, he said, if you get that right, you'll get your sleep right. And I guarantee you, you'll feel a lot healthier. You'll feel a lot better. You'll feel a lot more enthusiastic about doing other stuff because it's the usual stuff with someone my size, like your weight, you got to do more workouts. And he said that will help. But he said also, he says you'll wake up feeling energetic. You'll actually want to do more. Um, if you've done everything you said you had on this energy, with your full battery, you'll find yourself, you have to do more, because if you don't, you'll go to bed wide awake and you won't go asleep. So, the reasons I'm telling you these things, is there is hope. That you can change one aspect of your life, and think, I'm just going to fix this little part. And that little part been fixed could have dramatic impacts on other parts of your life that you don't know about, that you don't think are connected. The reason I'm making that point is because it's so easy today in the world we live in to say, oh my God, how are we going to fix all these problems? The debt, the economy, the regulations, the legislation, the terrorism. I could go on and on, the Supreme Court, Congress been a joke, the White House been a joke, people hurting, people having no hope, people, resort, people resorting to violence, people thinking it's okay just to dismantle and disrupt highways and public, public property, to desecrate public property. You're looking at all these problems. Sometimes just focusing in on your little problem will help that problem, but it would also help other problems that you don't think are even connected. I don't know if this is giving you any hope or any inside knowledge, but the reason I wanted to share my story and what I've been going through 
is because one, I want to be honest with you and just let you know what's going on. But two, was to share that sometimes things can change and they can change for the better. I know because I went through that inconvenience, my life's on a better path. I'm going to be more healthier, I'm going to be stronger, I'm going to be fitter than I've been in a long, long time. That's the short term, but also the long term. I know by stop not getting those injections anymore, I'm hoping this time next year, or not this time next year, in six months when it comes winter, that I won't have as many colds and flus, that I won't get on here sounding like crap and feeling really bad. You know, you can hold me to it. I'm, I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful 10 years from now, the stuff that that doctor said that would happen to me if I kept getting that injection, I will avoid. Now, I might have other health problems, and that's okay. But the stuff that that injection was causing, I think I've avoided it. I hope I have. We need to worry and focus on the short-term problems, but also the long-term problems. And we also need to have hope that we are not powerless in this fight. I wasn't powerless in my health fight, and each of you are not powerless in your fight for your health, for your wealth, for your, pri for your privacy, for your freedom. We can make a difference. We must make a difference. i got to take a quick break, America, and when I come back, I want to discuss Dallas with you and why I think it's a game changer and how we must act, in my opinion. Don't go anywhere. Freedom versus freebies. This is Freedom's Disciple with Jonathan Dunn. On the Blaze Radio Network. In the next 19 seconds, you could sell your home. Okay, it's, I mean, it's not going to sell your home, I mean, this, but it, you're going to take a big step toward getting it sold. Go to realestateagentsitrust.com and find an agent selected by my team, a professional who shares your values and speaks the truth. Sell your home fast and for the most money. Get moving at realestateagentsitrust.com. Freedom's Disciple with Jonathan Dunn on demand on the Blaze Radio Network. Thank you so much for sticking with me, America. I hope that opening story and gave you some food for thought. The reason I shared it was simply because I'm trying to find different ways on how to share stories with you, to back them up with principles, to back them up with some emotions that I feel. But just to get you to think, and most of all, to try and give you different ways to give you some hope that tomorrow can be a better day. Now we move on to Dallas. Last Thursday was a horrific day. And it was a game changer. And I'm sure many of you felt the same way. Because it's changed my focus even more. And I want to share some thoughts with you about Dallas, about the horrific events. And I want to share some concerns I have 
because I don't have all the answers. I wish I did. Because I would gladly share every answer I had with the whole world. So why was Dallas a game changer? Last Friday I had the honor. Um, you know, one of my best friends, he's like a brother to me, is um, Pastor Andrew Cheveria. I had him on the show three, four weeks ago. He has his own radio show which I encourage everyone to listen to. He's on Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Um, and he said, do you want to come on? And to be honest with you, I was not looking forward to it because I didn't know what to say. It's becoming... It's becoming a norm where I wake up in the morning and I'm going to my iPad to see alert messages from in the middle of the night from BBC, from Fox, from CNN, emails from different people where there's been a horrific event, a mass murder, a terrorist attack. And it's not a nice way to wake up. I woke up and I read all the stories. And five policemen were shot and killed. Several others were shot and wounded and in critical care and a couple of civilians were shot. And then I saw the horrific video of one of the policemen hiding behind a pillar and getting shot after engaging with him. And it was just horrific. And at that moment, I I struggled. I always try find common ground with people, common principles. But it seems today we don't have a respect for life. There was a police department. The day after the Dallas shootings that received 30 death threats. How could you watch what happened? The pain, the suffering, the tragedy of Dallas. And be so blinded by hate and have no respect for life that you go and yeah, do you know what would be cool to do today? Let's let's phone the local police department and, you know, threaten them. Say we're going to kill everyone or do whatever. I don't know how you do a death threat today. I'm sure it's, it was a fancy new way of doing it. How could you do that? The next feeling I had was, how do you still focus on politics after Dallas. Right now, I think America has a heart problem, not a politics problem. Because with everything that's going on, and just look at the Black Lives Matter issue. 
Can you tell me how Donald Trump, Hillary Clinton, Gary Johnson, or anyone else is going to fix that by winning the White House? Can you tell me how Congress coming together in a partisan or bipartisan way, writing a bill, will fix what happened? Can you tell me the Supreme Court decision that will fix what's happened? We have a hard problem. We don't have a respect for life. You know, if we don't respect life, think everyone has a role in this world, that God has a path for them. If we don't focus and agree on that all lives matter. If we can't agree on that regardless of your situation, your background, your health, your experience, your education, that everyone has a right to life. Then how can we ever talk about tax policies or the role of the EPA or which political party is better or who's the better person in the White House? Do you ever see yourself agreeing with someone? Yeah, I don't agree with everyone has, has a right to live, but we totally agree on the next president of the white you know, of the United States. Do you see that as likely? I don't. So how do we act? What do we do? I wish I had the solutions. I don't. But I do have some thoughts on it. The first thing we need to do, I believe, or maybe not the first thing, but one of the things we need to do, is we need to distinguish between the politicians, the people around politicians, political hacks, people with an agenda, and the people who just get involved at the local and level in marches and just join a march let me give you some examples if you've listened to me long enough thank you i hope i've given you plenty of food for thought over the year but you know who i don't like in politics i've spoken out against them all trump boehner ryan mcconnell Reed, Pelosi, Obama, Clinton, Loretta Lynch. I don't like any of them. In fact, while I'm not, I can't say for sure, but I don't see a scenario where you could sit us all in the same room, or me individually in the same room, no cameras, no TV, and where we could find common principles. I don't think they see America the way I do. I don't think they view people of principle the way I do. I don't think they view your history, your constitution, the way I do. However, their supporters don't see things the way they do. They might support them, 
but throwing everyone under the same brush and saying, oh, well, all Donald Trump supporters are the same, or all Paul Ryan supporters are the same, or all Harry Reid supporters are the same. I don't think it's accurate. I don't think it's right. And I don't think you change anything if you act that way. Let me give you an example. I engage with everyone both publicly and privately on social media and on email. And I've engaged with many Donald Trump supporters. Donald Trump supporters are supporting Donald Trump for many different reasons. One, he's an outsider. Two, he's just someone who will upset the apple cart and turn the tables upside down in D.C. Three, he'll build a wall. Four, his trade policies. Five, he's an outsider. Six, he's a businessman. People are voting for Donald Trump for many different reasons. Probably seven, because he's the GOP nominee and he's better than Hillary. Now that's just me thinking off the top of my head of all the people I've engaged with. I'm sure there are many different reasons. But not everyone is supporting Donald Trump for the same reason. So why is it that we seem to have this purity test when it comes to liberals, when it comes to Obama supporters, when it comes to Black Lives Matter, that everyone is supporting so-and-so for the exact same reason? The last time I checked, and it's, it's fluid now because I, I'm, I don't know what some conservatives stand for today, but the last time I checked, and the history I know of America, the quote-unquote right-wing, don't believe in the collective. They celebrate the individual. We are all individuals. We all have different feelings. We all have different emotions. We all have different backgrounds, different educations, different experiences. We have all lived different lives, with different fears, different hopes, different ambitions. That's what makes us unique. That's what makes me, me, and you, you. The fact that you think, or some people think, that despite all of those individual traits, that we're all the same, because we belong to a certain ideology, or we support a certain group, Is ludicrous in my eyes. Heck, you could get 10, 12 staff members at the Blaze, or 10 radio hosts. You could get Glenn Beck, Pat and Stew, Doc and Skip, Buck Sexton, Jeffy, me, Sheriff Clark, Rabbi Lapham, and you could sit us all in a room, and why we would have shared common principles. Like, the belief in the Constitution, your history, a love of the American dream, a love of your founding fathers, a love of the Bill of Rights. We wouldn't agree on everything. 
we would have different outlooks. Not all blaze staff are the same. That is something I think we should celebrate and embrace, not just throw everyone under the bus because, oh, well, you're blaze, so you, you, have, you belong to that collective. You think these things, and I either like you or dislike you. Now, why am I saying that? Because the same principles apply to Black Lives Matter. I don't see myself ever, ever, even shaking the hand of what I would call hacks like Louis Farrakhan, like Jesse Jackson, like Al Sharpton. I don't ever want to meet them. But if, for argument's sake, we all sat in the same room, I don't think we are going to have common principles. I don't see them loving America the way I love it. I don't see them revering the Constitution the way I do. But just because those people and me won't have anything to disagree on, we don't share anything, doesn't mean I'm going to say that's the same for every member of the public who gets involved in Black Lives Matter, who will go to a Black Lives Matter rally. We are all individuals. We either accept that and embrace it or we just dismiss it. I personally will never dismiss it. I got a few more thoughts on this that I want to share with you, include, including an important point of how we need to respond and how we need to address that America right now has a heart problem, not a political problem. I gotta take a quick break. I'll be right back after these few ads. Don't go anywhere, America. You're listening to Freedom's Disciple with Jonathan Dunn on the Blaze Radio Network. The progressive movement is full of lies. Why do Americans keep falling for the deception? In his new book, Liars, Glenn Beck reveals the simple answer, fear. At our most basic level, we're all afraid of something. And progressives exploit this by offering us solutions to our fears. Solutions based on lies and an unrelenting hunger for power and control. Understanding the roots of these lies is key to helping us stop the disease of progressivism. Liars by Glenn Beck. Available August 2nd. Pre-order now at glennbeck.com slash liars. This is Freedom's Disciple with Jonathan Dunn on the Blaze Radio Network. Thank you so much for sticking with me, America. I think we need to address that we have a heart problem and not a logical problem. Because there's a difference in how you listen, how you uh, process it and how you think about things, and then how you respond. When you have a heart problem, sometimes you will respond based on emotions. And the great thing about emotions, or 
the bad thing about emotions is they don't usually follow logic. Let me give you an example. Have you ever had a scenario in your life where someone is telling you to do something? Someone is saying, let me, I'm going to give you an actual example. Someone is saying to you, buy gold. Or let's actually, someone is telling you, you better buy this share for your 401k. And they're giving you all the facts and figures. This co company is in a growing market. It's an emerging technology. It will have all these needs in both the public and private sectors. It will make the world better. It has little debt. Its sales for the last two years are up quarter and quarter and quarter and quarter. It deals in many different currency markets, so it can avoid the volatility of the currency market. It deals in, you know, in the dollar, in the euro, in gold, in Bitcoin. And you look at everything and all the facts and figures are presented to you. And there's every logical reason for you to invest. But something in your gut just says, it's just not right. It's not right for me. When you are dealing with emotions, and you get that, what we call, a gut feeling, facts and figures don't matter. Let me give you another example, because some people mightn't you know, appreciate the, the financial one. Let me give you an example. When you were young, when you were 13 or 14, 15, 16, or depending on what age you were, and you fell in love for the first time. How many people do you know fall in love for the first time with a logical choice? You know, the per person that you thought, you know, if they were 10 years older and I was 10 years older, I'd settle down with. Or is your first love usually someone who has, I don't know, a, a streak about them that, you know, rebellious or you know, something that's not normal, that you know, you're not going to settle down with them. Emotions are emotions. Logic is logic. They don't always go hand in hand. Think of another example. Your work experience. Your life experience. When you feel jilted or you feel dismissed and you feel upset. That always isn't logical. It's just your emotions. There might be a perfectly valid reason why, you know, someone hasn't got back to you or someone hasn't answered the question the way you want or someone hasn't done what you asked them to do. Logic and reason and emotion don't always go hand in hand. They can and they work best when they all do, but we're human beings based on emotion. How many times do you do things based on your emotions? You love someone. You eat sometimes based on emotion. You go watch a sport based on emotion. Prime example, the Yankees this year. The Yankees suck. When I can, I don't have much time anymore. 
But when I can, I love watching a bit of the Yankees, even though they suck because the emotion is still there. I'm emotionally invested, even though the logic and the facts and the figures say the Yankees suck. You still hope they do well. Now, Black Lives Matter. They have emotions. And we can point out all the facts and the figures. Which are important to point out. I'm not saying don't. But we need to understand that they are not using facts and figures. Saying, this is our problem and here are the facts and figures to back it up. They are using, they are telling you what they feel and then they are giving you the emotions behind it. Now, we can continue and keep giving them the facts and the figures. But the communication lines are not really open. Because you've got one side talking emotions and you have one side responding in facts and figures. Can you give me a scenario in life where that worked well. So what do we need to do? Well, one, as I already said, I, and this is just my opinion, I'm not saying this is the way. Firstly, we need to distinguish between, as I said in the, the last segment, uh, the political hacks, the political spin doctors, the politicians, the media talking points, because they also have an agenda. And the individual who just goes to the march. The second thing I think we need to do. Is talk less and listen more. You know sometimes. Have you ever talked to someone in your life where. They're giving out like crazy. They're moaning and complaining and whining. And the only thing you can do is listen. And have you ever had that scenario where they've just got it all off their chest? And you're sitting there going, to go, oh my God. And it just gets to a point where it gets hard. And then they wake up and they just stop talking and all of a sudden it's like, hey, I'm feeling great now, thanks. And you're like, what happened to the person 30 seconds ago who was like, the world is sucks, the world ends, and so much anger, so much hatred, so much despair. Nothing has changed in those 30 seconds, but they feel better. Because they were listened to. Because you understood. Or you pretended to understand. I see a lot of people in America right now. Who feel that way. Who feel like they are not been listened to. And it's on all sides of the aisle. Black lives matter. Right or wrong. Feel white people. Feel the media. Feel others are not listening to them. Conservatives feel that right now with Donald Trump, that they've just not been listened to, have felt that way for probably eight years with the GOP. Liberals feel that way about Republicans all the time and vice versa. And here's where I think we need to really work hard on. I think we, each of us on all sides of the aisle. Whether you believe in Bernie Sanders, whether you supported Bernie Sanders, whether you supported Hillary Clinton, whether you supported Jeb Bush, Donald Trump, Ted Cruz, 
Austin Peterson, Gary Jackson. I think all of us need to look inward a lot more. And look at the message that we are promoting. Look at the message we as individuals are promoting and go, am I happy with that? Is my message working? You know, you can, again, I tend to go back to economics and I apologize because I know that's not everyone's wheelhouse. But I could come on here and I could issue a load of words about an economic principle from the smartest economic textbooks. I wouldn't understand it unless I researched it. But you know all these big fancy words. I could give you an economic thesis that was written by Milton Friedman, Hayek, that would sound oh so super smart. It would make me sound like a genius. But there is a good chunk of the people who won't understand it. There's no point in putting out a message that people don't understand. That people, it doesn't resonate with them. I could come out and give the best speech with no emotion. People probably wouldn't be invested. I could give an average speech with lots of emotion, lots of feeling, and people would love it. We need to look at our message and go, is it working? And can we tweak it and change it? Don't change the principle, just change the messaging. And how we interact with people. And then we need to look at one principle, which I think, it's a pet peeve of mine, but I will leave it up for each and every one of you to decide. For me, American conservatism, American founding principles, the American Constitution are for everybody. We need to reach it out to everybody. How many people, how many times have you seen true conservatism been explained to the young people today? To Hispanics today? To the black people today? To the college profession. Many times you actually ever get to see that. You know, like him or hate him. Or have no feelings towards him. The only one I see doing a bit of that is Rand Paul. We need to explain the principles we are for are eternal. And they are suitable for everyone. Black, white, orange, yellow, purple. You could be the colour of the rainbow. These rights are for you. You could be big, you could be small, you could be skinny, you could be fat, you could be short, you could be tall. These principles are for you. You could be straight, you could be gay, you could be bi, you could be transgendered, you could be I don't know. You could be confused. These principles are for you. And we need to explain them. But we need to explain them in a loving, passionate, caring way. For far too long, there have been sections in American society 
which have been treated like sections of European society, where the only answer is government. And so many of us just give up. I spoke to a few friends of mine privately, and some people said, they just had the attitude the other day of, you're just never going to change people's and Black Lives Matter. You're just never going to change their opinion. They've given up before they've even started. How many times do we do that in politics, in principles, and any way with sections of society? Just give up. You're never going to change their mind. So we don't even try? Is that the answer? And the other thing we need to find a way to do is we need to change the narrative. If you tuned into last week's show, thank you. I hope you learned a bit. If you'd missed it, please check it out. It was on Brexit. But it was about how the people overcame the narrative of the politicians, the politics, the media, the establishment, and voted to leave. We have so much technology today that we need to fight to change the narrative. We need to turn it on its head. But when I say we, I don't mean Donald Trump or a politician or a party or you know the White House spokesperson. I mean each and every one of us and how we deal and interact with people. We need to start changing the narrative, not having the media drive whichever narrative they see fit. We have a lot of work to do. Dallas was a horrific event. That is an event I don't think I'll ever forget. And a day I will never forget. But it just cemented the amount of work we have to do in my heart. And not much of it is politics. It's with the heart, with the human individual touch. Where one person can go to another and console them, put their arm around them or shake their hands or put their arm around their shoulder, give them a hug and just say, brother or sister, it's okay, I'm with you. I love you. And I don't care what color you are, what religion you have, or what age you are, what education you have. You're my brother or sister in Christ. Let's talk. And let's have a respect for each other. That says, we don't have to agree on everything. We can see things, politically we can see things different all day long. But we're still friends. We're still family. We're still brothers in Christ. That won't change by an election. That won't change by a Congress. That won't change by a Supreme Court decision. You cannot legislate, regulate, or rule by diktat an emotion. You can't change hearts and minds that way. You can only do it through loving peaceful ways let us meet 
our liberal friends, our Black Lives Matter friends and family, on the battleground of ideas. And let us work together, not through politics or any other way, but just through genuine care and love for our fellow human beings to make tomorrow a better future. I still believe it can happen. Or you have option B, where we all go off and segregate ourselves into society, don't even try, give up, and just say screw it. Throw a few names around. Which option do you choose? I've got to take one last quick break, America. Don't go anywhere, because I want to just address one last situation about Dallas. And I want to share a quick story of someone who inspires me by their actions. I'll be right back, America. This is Freedom's Disciple with Jonathan Dunn on the Blaze Radio Network. Don't miss Pat and Stu. The big uh, development in my household right now is that uh, Lisa has deleted Facebook from her phone. Which uh, uh, I now can wow, that is like I, I, it's like it's as if she she just moved in like <laughs> that's the difference like her deleting it off her phone means like now is that I a have, good thing then now or? I'm married uh, uh, that's that now a, that was actually thing? that was the last uh, guess <laughs> I think so. Pat and Stu weekdays at 5 p.m. Eastern on the Blaze Radio Network. Freedom's Disciple with Jonathan Dunn on demand on the Blaze Radio Network. Thank you so much for sticking with me, America. I hope this show has given you some. My only hope ever when you tune into the show is it's given you food for thought. That it's put you against the proverbial wall of ideas, has pushed you up against that, has kind of roughed you up a bit, and that has helped you form your opinion. That's all I can ever hope. I don't ever want anyone thinking like me. Think for yourself. Find out where you stand. I want to finish today's show by just addressing something. One of the the comments I've got a few times over the last nearly year I've been doing this show is, why do I finish the show the way I do? By saluting the police, the firefighters, the emergency personnel, the vets. Why does a non-citizen salute our first responders? And there are many reasons. Which I will share with you over the years. But because, simply put, I believe they're heroes in society. They are protecting and serving my family, my girlfriends, my friends. And because they are selfless. I would ask you for a few minutes just to close your eyes because I want to share a couple of stories with you. To try and share my belief and my passion for the police. I would ask you to compare what I'm about to tell you about a policeman 
and compare it to your job and your life. Because they live different lives than us. Everything about their lives is different. I would ask you to think about how do you get to work? What's your routine? You probably get up in the morning and you shower. And if you were, like, if you're in the service industry, like you're a nurse or you work in McDonald's or you work in Radio Shack, you might have a uniform. Like, even if it's just like a polo shirt with a logo on it. And you can go out your front door and you can get in your car or get on the bus and you can display that logo, no problem. You can walk down the street wearing that logo. And what's going to happen to you? Nothing. A cop doesn't have that honor or that privilege. A lot of cops I know don't go to their work in uniform. Can you imagine if a cop wearing his full blues just got into his car and was off duty and drove to the police station or got on public transport to get on the bus? Can you imagine the reception they would get? Do you think they would have the same honor, the same responsibility or the same duty that you got? That respect. When you leave your house. And you say to your partner. Your wife. Your husband. Your kids. Your parents. Your friends. Your roommates. When you're on your cell phone during the day. And you're just talking to a co-work colleague. Or someone, another friend. When you're on Facebook posting a status. And you press publish. Or you press tweet. You might finish off by saying goodbye. Or I love you. Or I'll see you this evening. Or we're still on for beers Friday night, right? Yeah, of course we are. Or I'll see you soon, mom. I'm I'm coming for to you for Thanksgiving. I'm hoping to spend July fourth with you, or just something simple like I'll see you this evening, dear. I'm cooking dinner. For you, the average person, you have a very high expectation of fulfilling that dream, of making your wife or your husband that dinner. Of seeing your friend Friday night for a few beers. Of seeing your mother in four months for Thanksgiving. Of kissing your kids goodnight. Saying, I'll see you this evening to help you with your homework. You have a reasonable expectation. A police officer doesn't have that expectation. He has that hope and that dream. But at any minute... They know one false step and it's over. I would ask you to think about, you know, I love this saying today. 
Think about the routine parts of your job. What are the routine parts? Oh, I don't know. The routine part of my job is answering a phone. The routine part of my job is research, reading different articles behind the desk, and then writing and forming opinions. The routine part of another person's job might be looking at the stock market, seeing trends. The routine part of another person's job might be talking to customers to get sales. It's all routine. We all do it and it's just the way we go. For the police officer, a routine traffic stop is not routine at all. Because when you pull someone over and you're flashing your lights and you get out of that car, you don't know what's going to happen. It's far from routine. They might be a normal person, have respect, have their hands on the wheel, be res respectful. What's the problem, officer? What can I do? What did I do wrong? Sure, you might get that. You might get someone else who might speed off. And then you got to ensue and follow them. You might have someone who's disrespectful, who utters the phrase that's just so popular and so cool and so trendy today, pigs in a blanket. You might have someone lying to you because they've committed some crime and they're trying to get away from it, whether it's drunk driving, whether it's a robbery, whether it's assault and battery. You might have a person who's done those crimes and has a gun and is ready to shoot you. A routine traffic stop is not routine at all. Then think about the injuries you suffer, the hurt you suffer. What's the biggest pain I get with my work? Well, I sat down for too long and I got pins and needles in my leg. Or I stood all day and I have sore feet. Or, oh, I'm just so tired looking at a computer screen all day. What type of pain does a police officer go through? Well, it can be anything. From a grazed knee, to a broken arm, to a pulled muscle, to a pulled torn ligament. They can have the easiest day in the world and then all of a sudden have to chase someone for half a mile or several blocks. Might have to jump over several obstacles. Might cut their hands on glass. Might have to get into a physical altercation because someone hit them and they're trying to respond. And they're per they have to respond and arrest someone. But they don't go quietly. They might have a knife pulled on them. They might have a gun pulled on them. When you're off duty, you know, when you're off work, you've left work, you just can go, hey, I'm done. Don't think about it. I'm done for today. And if you work in a place where you happen to shop, 
if you work in a supermarket or in Radio Shack or some other store and you go into your job and you see there's a really long line, do you feel compelled to jump behind and help? When there's a load of research to be done but you're clocked out, do you feel compelled to help You know, because there's a load of work or do you wait till tomorrow? And off Judy's cop is, responsibilities are kind of different. If you're in a shop and something happens, you feel compelled to go and help. You can be called in at any time. And lastly, your family. When, you're, when you go to work, does your family worry about you? Do they worry that they mightn't see you again? When your family is at home or your friends or your, ever who your loved ones and they hear that knock on the door, is their first response to worry and go, oh my God, I wonder what happened? When you're a, a police person's love person, that knock on the door could mean fatal news. That knock on the door could be the difference between life and death. When you answer your phone, are you worried that, oh my God, Johnny could be in an accident or Johnny could be shot? Do you have that worry? Well, for a police person, they do. They don't know when that next phone call could be, my husband or wife has been shot or stabbed or had a routine traffic stop that went badly, badly wrong. These are the difference between my life and their lives. And many of your lives and their lives. I would ask you to think about that this weekend and every weekend to understand the difference. And lastly, I want to share a very quick story with you of someone who's inspired me. And this is a person I've never met. This is a young lady who I've never even spoken to, but is a sister of a dear friend of mine a dear friend of mine who will go nameless because she knows who she is but also for security reasons I don't want any hassle to her sister or to her family how sad is it that we live in that type of world but her sister last Monday started the police academy in Dallas. That is truly remarkable. It's remarkable because who would sign up to be a cop these days? Whether you do your job perfectly, you'll all you'll never get the credit because, well, they just they could make cut, sh cut shortcuts or they did something against the law or 
if you don't solve the case quick enough, you know, if we don't do like Jack Barrow solve three cases in 24 hours, where you're lazy and you're fat and you should be eating less donuts. Where you get torrents of abuse. Where you'll have to work long hours, get no thanks, no respect. You're not doing it for the salary. After last week's terrorist, terrorist attack, because it was a fact of terrorism, where a gunman decided to get on a roof and start shooting people and shooting white cops and targeting white cops. That young lady is walking into a police academy to join the Dallas PD that is hurt, that has very little to offer financially or anything else. She's walking into a place that's hurt, that might be a bit lost, that's grieving, that's lacking in hope, that many might feel there's nothing we can do to change the attitudes on the street. And yet she's joined anyway. That young lady signed up well before last week's attack. It would have been so easy for her to say, I saw what happened in Dallas PD. I think I might skip this one out. And here's the truthful question for each of you. Would any of you held it against her if she said, I saw what happened. I don't really want to be in Dallas right now. I'm going to maybe skip the academy or I'm going to go to another department. Would you have held it against her? I know I wouldn't have. She could have said, you know what, I've actually had a career change altering decision. I'm I'm not going to be a cop anymore. I, I, I want to do a safe job. I want to go work in Radio Shack or I want to work behind the desk and research. Would you have held that against her? I wouldn't have. But yet, despite everything, last Monday, she joined. And would one day be a police officer of the Dallas Police Force. She didn't do it for the fame or the fortune. She didn't do it for the great perks or great benefits or great financial package she got. She did it because it's her dream and because she wants to serve. Her story is like so many other stories I see out there that inspire me. And quite frankly, it's the story of America, of ordinary people individually and coming together to do extraordinary things. This show salutes her. She knows who that who she is. We pray for her that God always watches over her. We pray for her safety and for the peace of mind for all of her family, including her sister, who's a very, very dear friend of mine. And we pray that God gives her the wisdom to always do what is morally right and to serve others. It's her actions 
and the actions of so many of you that give me hope that America's best days are still yet to live. There is hope, America. You just have to know where to look for it. And that is why, that is just a small, small fraction of why I finish each and every show the way I do, the way I'm going to do it now, because our time is up this week, America. Thank you so much for tuning in. I really hope this show has given you some food for thought. Please consider subscribing on SoundCloud or iTunes or and sharing this content with your friends and family. For this week, America, I salute your police, your firefighters, your emergency personnel, and your vets. They are the real heroes of society. They put it all on the line each and every day. And this show thanks them. And I salute you, the great American people. America is great because of American people being good. Never, ever forget that. God bless you and God bless America. Freedom's Disciple with Jonathan Dunn on demand. The Blaze Radio Network. 